Welcome to the Take Your Apprenticeship podcast. The Take Your Place team is made up of five universities and nine further education colleges from across the east of England. We are an impartial project dedicated to giving you the information you need, regardless of where you're applying to study. Since 2017, we have worked with over 30,000 students from 100 different schools, colleges and sixth forms, helping them to explore their options and discover their potential. Now we hope to help you too. In this podcast series, we will explore all aspects of finding, applying for and succeeding in an apprenticeship. Through talking to experts and current apprentices from a variety of industries, we will help you explore your future apprenticeship options. Hello there. My name is Kit and my pronouns are they, them, and I am a Nico Higher Education and Apprenticeship Champion for Take Your Place. Today, I speak to Jake Saville, who, at 18, is just finishing up school to embark on a Level 7 Solicitor's Apprenticeship with Stevenson Harwood LLP, which is an international law firm based in London. We talk about how Jake decided to pursue an apprenticeship in law, his top tips to give you the best chance to succeed in a very competitive application process, and how to go about picking the right employer that suits you and your circumstances. This episode was recorded on Friday the 4th of June 2021. Enjoy the listen. Welcome everybody. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by someone I have actually known since they were 11 years old. Jake Saville, thank you very, very much for joining me and it is an absolute pleasure to see you. Thank you for having me, Kit. So, Jake, would you like to introduce yourself and what you are doing on this apprenticeship podcast? Yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, my name is Jake Saville. I'm an incoming sister apprentice with Stevenson Harwood, which is an international commercial law firm based in London. And I'll be undertaking a level seven LLB law degree um, during the course of my employment as well. And I have to say before I continue, I can't, I cannot not say this is that um, how exceptionally proud it, I am of hearing you say that, you know, you're, you're someone who I've known since you, you were young and I used to, you know, teach high school. And I just think that for every young person listening, you know, that your, your teachers, your ex-teachers will do have a sense of pride of you no matter what you do and, and uh, how you've gone to achieve it. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about your journey since you left high school, since, since I used to be one of your teachers. Um, and when when I used to teach at your school and know you as a student, I hardly knew about apprenticeships. In fact, I'd, when I used to give, you know, as a year 10, 11 form tutor, and I used to talk about careers and stuff like that, there wasn't anything about apprenticeships and so, or there was no talk about apprenticeships at the time. So thinking about you like at 15, 16, and when you were going through those careers advice things, you never heard really about apprenticeships either. So question I want to ask you to start with is, when did you first become aware of apprenticeships? At what stage in your school life did you become? And then why did you think that was the path for you? Why an apprenticeship? I, like you said, I didn't have a huge amount of exposure to that kind of career path at high school. Um, and it wasn't until I started to undertake work experiences in my um, first year of sixth form in year 12 that I was exposed to this kind of new route to the law. Um, and I'll touch on it a little bit perhaps later, but it's kind of the importance of work experience um and when i was in maybe october just starting in year 12 i went on my first work experience in london which was with another international law firm and they were just starting up their solicitor apprenticeship program and they were telling us about the benefits and how much they often prefer to have apprentices over graduates because you have that six years of experience and before that it was very much in my head that i was going to do the law degree i was going to go and do my lpc it was just the route that i'd always known of 
And actually, when I looked into the apprenticeship a lot more, and that I realised I actually quite enjoy the day-to-day tasks of a solicitor, I thought that I'd really enjoy doing the apprenticeship. And um, from there, that was really kind of where my um, interest was sparked. Right. So I knew that you loved learning and you loved you loved the human geography when, when I used to teach geography in particular, you loved those stories of people and, and you know, the conflict and stakeholder identity and, and things like that. So looking back in hindsight now, I can quite clearly see why you would enjoy something in, you know, doing like law and, and stuff like that. But I would never have guessed that you would have gone down this route and become a solicitor. So therefore was in terms of your subjects that you learned or you, you did at school, you know, in sixth form, what was it that actually made you think, I want to go down the solicitor's route, I want to have work experience at a law firm at solicitors, and then you found out about the apprenticeships, et cetera, et cetera. So what was it subject-wise, topic-wise, teacher-wise that made you think that this was the right course for you? Um, at uh, high school, it wasn't so much a subject. It was really actually the first experience that sparked my interest in the law was a mock court trial that I did in year nine. Um I think a few teachers from Fram took us down to magistrates, the magistrates mock court trial in Great Yarmouth, and um, that was my first experience of of working in in the legal field, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, before that, I wasn't hugely sporty, so I didn't really have a competitive side that I kind of that I really did. And when we did the mock court trial, we did a really great job, and we won. And for me, that was the first time that I thought, wow, this is something I could be really good at. And it definitely was the first thing that sparked my interest. And moving on, I kind of looked more and more as the years went on into, into these like barristers, solicitors, paralegal roles. Um, and that's kind of led me to take law at A-level when I was picking my A-levels. And once I was in at A-level, I was then able to experience a lot of work experiences, which then informally made me decide I wanted to become a solicitor. Lovely, yeah, and um, I do remember actually a bunch of you going going to those courts and then coming back and telling it the the way that you you've always been able to formulate arguments and you know you do that a lot in history, you do that a lot in geography as well, and I could, you could see how those kind of translate into into what you're doing. So as I said, you know, in hindsight, I can see it's no surprise at all that you've gone down this route. Um, you you mentioned about work experience. Um, there yeah. may be plenty of uh, year nines and year tens listening uh, listening in. Um, obviously, we know work experience has been massively, massively impact with the current you know, situation with the pandemic. But there's there's yeah. lots of firms trying their best to do like virtual work experience and stuff like that. But we're all hopefully getting back to normal now. As a year 10 form tutor, you used to get very frustrated that I, I had to keep pressing, pressing, pressing students to get their work experience placement sorted. So what words of encouragement would you give to a current year nine, year 10 student who is like about to embark on their work experience? Well, I think one thing I would say is that any work experience is good experience. Uh, for me, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to experience lots of different fields and some of which I haven't enjoyed. And, and that's completely fine. It's the ones that you don't enjoy is just as valuable because you see that actually that isn't an area that you wanted to work in. And, and that is completely fine. And that able that then makes you more able, makes an informed decision to go into the areas that you do want to work in. And in terms of a year nine or, or 10, it helps you in a whole respect, being able to talk about something in with industry specific terms, not only kind of maybe, maybe making applications to um, six forms, but when you then inevitably want to then take on um, 
maybe eight job applications or maybe want to apply for stuff in year 12 or 13, you've then got that experience from high school that's going to that's going to bolster your application. Because also, again, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's true that um, quite often work experience placements are very saturated and quite competitive. Mm, yeah. So if you've already maybe in year nine or year 10, or 11 have had a work experience placement they are able to draw upon in your application it will help you when you and if you really want them so it all work experience is a good experience and whenever you can get it it, it will be a good time yeah that's fantastic advice jake thank you yeah and i also think that um you don't have to wait for your school to say right here's your two-week work experience placement you know yeah if you've got a part-time job to earn yourself a bit of pocket money, that's work experience. If you can volunteer for something that you're passionate about for a charity or for a cause that you're really passionate about, that's work experience. There are so many different ways of getting work experience. It doesn't have to be this completely formalized pr process that you have to wait for those two weeks in school. And yet with regards to things like CVs and personal statements, I would say you start learning to write those as soon as possible. You never know when you need them and completely it's always the practice. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's the general kind of advice that we here at Nico anyway um, like to push through. So let's let's go specifically back to your apprenticeship then. You, if you can tell us a little bit more about the specific apprenticeship you're going for, because I am so intrigued, so intrigued that under normal circumstances, if a student has completed level three qualifications like a like A levels, which are level three qualifications, or a qualification with level three in the name, usually that gets them into level fours, fives, sixes, because level six is the equivalent of undergrad. So it's the same as like going to A level to an undergrad degree. But I have, ne I must admit, even though this is my job, this is the first time I've heard of someone complete level three qualifications and be successful in applying for a level seven, the equivalent of a master's degree. How did you manage that, Jake? And what what is it about this apprenticeship that you're about to embark on will get you from your level three up to eventually your level seven? Um, that's a great question. And thank you as well. Um, so it's not too dissimilar to applying for university in that I will be starting on a law degree in September. I'll be starting to undertake a law degree. So um, it isn't, it's, it's kind of formulated slightly differently. So instead of going into lecture hall every every day, I would be all my lectures are put into a Monday or one day slot. So it mean that I would go into university or do it online for one day and then I'd work for the rest. During that time, I'll progress. So some um, law firms will ask you to do a paralegal apprenticeship first. Um, I believe they are a level four or a level five. Um, or some firms, you just go and you work straight towards the level seven, which is the solicitor's apprenticeship. Um, your actual day-to-day -day tasks when you first start will be um, really kind of you're assisting the, the workings of the department in which you're in. So that might be kind of data collection or just generally helping people um, in the firm. As you develop, you'll then be able to, um, you'll be undertaking a law degree all the time. So the same as you would be doing end of year assessments if you did law at the UEA, that'll be the same as we're doing at BPP. Um, so the development is really quite the same. Um, the level seven element comes from doing your final solicitor's qualifications. So as that is something that you do post-graduation, is a post-grad, it counts as a level seven. So your law degree itself would obviously be a level six because that or level five because that is your LLB. But actually once you've qualified for that and then you go on to then do a um, solicitor's qualification that then counts as a level seven. That's that's incredible, and I love I love the progressive nature of the course. 
um, because it's something that lacks in education quite a bit is this whole means to an end. You know, what is the means to an end? And you can quite clearly see that you have an end and you've got the, got lovely progressive means up to that. So yeah, um, it sounds very competitive though. Was it a competitive process? Um, yes, Kit. Um, simply, yes, it was. Um, it's not actually unheard of to have um, thousands of applicants for these positions, uh, which is why you have to kind of really work on your application. And we've spoken about before having work experience, but it's a whole host of things. It's, it's about tailoring your application to the firm. It's about making sure you understand the work that the firm does. So you're able to draw upon your experiences um, and use them in the correct way. So yes, it is um, competitive, but the important thing is to be yourself. And I also wanted to touch on a little bit about rejection, um, just because there are so many people applying for these positions. And that's actually the same in any respect. If you um, graduate university, all types of graduate opportunities are just competitive and inevitably you'll have some rejection. But rejection isn't a bad thing. I was rejected from nearly all of the firms I applied for. Um, but the firm I got into is the firm that's right for me. And actually, a lot of the firms I got rejected from probably wouldn't have actually been a good fit for me. So it isn't a bad thing. It's a lot more about redirection. Yeah. And we, we've been trying to communicate that at Nico as well. One of the things we've been saying quite a fair bit is you've got to, uh, in some way, build this resilience that you're going to experience more failure and rejection than you are going to experience success because apprenticeships are exceptionally competitive. And I just think, I think that is such a mature, healthy attitude to have because in life, more things don't go your way than they will go your way. And the other thing is, of course, is that is don't put this just because you've just said there's a thousand people applying for the same post. doesn't mean you don't go for it. In fact, 100%. you could say the opposite because yeah. there's no harm in having in putting your name into the, into the hat for the first thing, because the worst that can happen is that you're just in the same situation that you were before you applied but you wouldn't have had the chance if you didn't. The second thing is, of course, is that you can apply for apprenticeship at any time. So you can say, well, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go and do my A-levels. I'll go and do, do my UCAS form for my university courses, but you can still apply for apprenticeships while you do that. This, it's, it's normal. We all, us grown-ups, we apply for other jobs while we're doing our current job. Why wouldn't you do the same as apprenticeship? You know, it's just life. And then the other thing is, is that the vast majority of the applicants you can actually beat them if you do all these things that you've just mentioned. Get your work experience. I'm just going down this thing that you provided oh, me before. Having a standout application. Having a standout application. Yeah, so you meant, we mentioned about part-time jobs and work experience. You've put here having a well-rounded application, you know, thinking you're holistically. So if you lack academic requirements, you can make up for it in your written application. Yeah, and actually that's really important, um, Kit, because a lot of firms, actually, in fact, the work experience went to first. Well, I'm at Denton's. They were talking about how if someone doesn't have um, the required A-level grades or miss it by a few grades, that really isn't going to like detract from your application. Um, because I suppose f from being in academia or the world of or academia for your whole life, everything seems to be so centred around grades. But actually, when you go and apply for positions, that isn't really the key thing they're looking for. Um, and that links into the stuff we talked about earlier. You know, if you've been able to have hold down a part-time job while you know, doing your A-levels, but also showing that you can work in a team, you can do all these different things. That is just as valuable as saying, well, I got A star AA A-level. And someone shouldn't be necessarily, you know, just say, I'll disregard this opportunity because I missed it by one grade. Um, 
every all firms look at applications holistically and it's really important to remember that yeah and if if um if you're not sure young people what the word holistically means it means basically looking at the whole picture looking at the big picture not just looking at one aspect of something um I was going to segue very, very nicely into, I know I know we've kind of talked a little bit out of all of these kind of what we're going to talk about, but that's great because it's been organic. So going back to what you were saying about, well, the position that you've got actually suits you best. And sometimes that's how it works. You know, I went my last period of unemployment and I applied for certain things, was disappointed I didn't get them. But the job I have right now with, with Nico, delighted that I've got. Sometimes, you know, the old cliche, sometimes things happen for a reason. It's meant to be if it's meant to be. But you're right, you do have to seek out what's the best fit for you. So can you talk to us a little bit about, okay, a student knows what they want to do. They know the course, they know the apprenticeship, the field, the career, the sector they want to go on. How would they go about picking the right firm, Jake? Picking the right firm, well, that's a, that's a really great question. And the thing about law is there's so many different, so many different firms that, that practice in so many different areas. And I know I keep on talking about it, but really, if you've done some kind of work experience, you're able to know yourself, the kind of the the seats, the areas, departments, the areas of law that you enjoy. Um, It makes you able to have a more informed decision inevitably where you apply. Um, For me, I undertook a um, week's internship at a law firm called Clifford Chance, and I was able to rotate around a lot of their um, departments, and they also work in commercial law. I was able to think, well, actually, I really enjoy all these departments. In fact, I'll tell you, Kit, there wasn't a department in which I thought I wouldn't enjoy or didn't like the sound of. So then when I was applying for my apprenticeships, I purposefully sought out apprenticeships that um, allowed you to rotate around seats during the duration of your apprenticeship. Um, one thing I, I also is quite important is that quite often, because it's a long process, it will take six years for me to qualify. They can be structured quite differently. Um, some firms, for example, might have you working in one department throughout the four, all four years, um, and then you join the trainees in the last two. But um, there's a few firms, other sheds, Dentons, um, Students and Harwood, which you rotate um, in your department annually. So it means you get a bigger exposure of more departments and might even let you do a secondment as well. So having experience before makes you have a more informed decision because you've kind of understood the stuff that you really enjoy. Um, and kind of independent of this is also looking at things that that's, that's important to you. Um, I said earlier about practice areas, but also about size, prestige, um, international presence, and obviously just the type of law. Um, this is when kind of even just sitting in, in courtrooms, um, you can go and if you didn't know this, you can also just go and like view and, and watch court proceedings. You can go into your local magistrate's court and you can you can view them. And you can then maybe even just see if maybe commercial law or criminal law is or isn't for you. Um, and that's just kind of a really accessible way to do that. And independent of these things as well as looking at kind of the work-life balance of the firm, commercial law has got a reputation of having kind of really long hours, but um, this would vary depending on the firm in which you work. And also is usually quite inextricably linked to how much they pay. So it's really easy to be taken in by huge salary numbers and think, oh my word, that's so much money. I, yeah, I'll do it. But actually you have to kind of figure out what's important to you. Um, If you think that, you know, work-life balance is more important to you, then you'll probably be better off to go for a firm which offers a fair salary. But there's um, some US firms who might offer a starting salary of 140,000 each year. And that seems crazy, that seems huge. 
you have to ask yourself, you know, what are they asking of you of that money? And if it's so much money, they're, they're obviously asking a lot of you. So some people, are their work is their life, and that's completely fair. And if you're one of those people, then you probably be better off suited in a firm that will pay you more and compensate you for the time in which you, you do your tasks. But if you value having a better work-life balance, if you, you know, maybe want to leave the office by seven or six, seven or eight, well, then maybe going for a firm that, that values work-life balance would be better off for you. All these things you can kind of assess and get a grounding in if you've had experience in the area or not even experience. If you've spoken to people or network with people and they're able to tell you kind of the real world um, reality of working at that firm, it helps you make an informed decision when you're making applications. But also when you're doing your interviews, you're able to then demonstrate to the interviewer you have an understanding of what you're getting yourself into. And all those things are really important. You just said it. It's like it becomes a very, very good um, way of preparing for your interview and your application to because then you come across as this, you know, this mature person who's considered all these things and you can and, you know, you're actually demonstrate through practice that you can have, you know, a work life balance, manage your workload, have multiple deadlines at one time. And you mentioned there about going into courtrooms. And the last two um, conversations I've had, I talked to the wonderful people at the Crown Prosecution Service uh, and they said exactly the same thing. You know, they said, um, yeah, you can just go into your local magistrate's court and you can sit in the public public box and you can just listen in. You know, it's um, it's fantastic advice. So it's good that it's been corroborated. And I do recommend that people listen to those episodes with the Crown Prosecution Service because they talk about all the other things that you can do which support the people doing the you know the actual law and thing and the other thing i really like the fact that you mentioned is that law is quite diverse in itself as well regards to what you can do like you mentioned commercial law you know you've got um obviously i would know you've got environmental law you know yeah. you've got human rights law so there are so many different specialisms just like when i did my environmental science degree i could have done meteorology i could have done geology i could have done development so it's exactly the same way it's it's a really really more diverse people and that's why we have you on um that's absolutely amazing right jake we're coming towards the end of our chat which is such a shame because i'm enjoying this <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a formal version of a catch-up yeah is there anything which we haven't talked about or anything that you would absolutely um love to say for um the young people listening out there or any words of wisdom that we haven't yet covered um there's a few things, Kit. Um, the first thing is, is that I wanted to let people know a little bit of background information about me, mm-hmm. and it's that I'm dyslexic. Um, I think um, there's lots of people in my position who have dyslexia and maybe don't see themselves working in a professional environment, and that is 100% not the case. And I wanted to kind of say to people who might feel maybe a bit daunted by going to university as a person with dyslexia, that I I would really advocate for the solicitors or just in general, the apprenticeship route. Um, For me, the apprenticeship was poignant because I was able to see the real world application of what I was learning. So it wasn't that I was just sitting in the the lecture theatre and learning how in in principle something works. It meant that I would actually see how something works in practice. And this... A learning opportunity was it is amazing and would help me as a dyslexic to learn something that is quite complex so i it, it caters to a broad range of people who have all different learning styles and if you maybe thought the traditional route wasn't for you then this is something that you should really look into 
Um, I also wanted to quickly plug um, a company called Uptree. They are an amazing organization who I've worked with in the past. They've actually provided three out of my five work experiences, and they work exclusively with state school um, students. And basically, they um, work to connect um, us as students who want to go into any profession of finance, um, uh, law, loads of different kind of professional industries, and they will connect you with um, big organizations. So I was able to get a work experience to Uptree, oh, to, pardon me, I was able to get a work experience to Denton's, um, to Deloitte. And my first contact with Clifford Chance, which is a, a top law firm, was made through with Uptree. So if you're kind of struggling to find work, um, Uptree is a great organization and is um, definitely one to, to have a look at. Amazing. We will stick a link to Uptree in the um, the audio description. Thank you for that, Jake. Uh, and, and with regards to your point about dyslexia, obviously I knew I knew that about you uh, already, and how you still, you know, you worked through it and you managed to achieve so much, you know, throughout your academic career. But everybody out there, if you if you're neurodivergent in any way, so OCD or you know ADHD or anything, or comes with learning difficulties like dyslexia. There are more of us out there than you realize. There are at least five colleagues here at Nico who are dyslexic. I am on the dyslexia spectrum. I'm neurodivergent as well. We can do well and we can thrive and no one should be telling you otherwise that that's a barrier to your success. Jake here is an absolute model of that. And I know so many people, Dr. Viranidis, um, who uh, taught me physics at A-level. So, you know, we're out there everywhere and we're achieving. So that's that's absolutely amazing thank you Kira. jake this has been an absolute pleasure it really really has i i can't tell you how proud i am as someone who's known you for a long long time now um and everybody listening to that this is it it may sound like t- to you that oh is this someone that you know is in their mid to late 20s no everybody jake is not much older than you lot listening just 18 19 years of age so yeah, there you go too. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Jake, thanks very much. And no doubt we'll do this again when you've had uh, a year or two under your belt. Completely. Thank you. Thank you again, Kit, for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to our future podcast at soundcloud.com slash takeyourplace or on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find us on Instagram where we are at takeyourplace underscore he on Twitter at TakeYourPlaceHE and on Facebook at facebook.com slash TakeYourPlaceHE forward slash. You can also email us with any questions, requests or just let us know what you think on info at takeyourplace.ac.uk.